Good morning again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm a senior pastor here. And if you're with us, uh, things are a little different than normal. You've probably already figured that out today. Our teenagers are taking a significant role in our worship service. And in just a minute, I'm going to introduce one of ours who is going to come and uh, be actually preaching for us this morning. Beforehand, I want to give just a few announcements that I want to make sure that you guys are aware of. Um, uh, in the announcements early, it might not have been clearly communicated, so I want to make sure you understand there is lunch afterward for teenagers and their families. We love the rest of y'all, but there's not enough food for you. So um, uh, teenagers and their parents, we'd love to have you. Uh, the rest of you, we would love to have you. We just can't afford to have you today, so we'll have you another day. Uh, I just want to tell you that. If you're a guest with us this morning, I'm so thankful that you're here. There's a card that's attached to the worship folder that was given when you came in. They're also tucked into the back of the pew, or you can go online at malvinhill.org slash connect. Uh, we would appreciate if you would fill out that card and let us know you were here today, whether you do it physically and drop it in the offering plate or you do it online. I'd just like to drop you a letter in the mail this week and tell you how much we appreciated having you. And then finally, before I introduce our, our preacher this morning, this morning, well actually this afternoon, I think at 12.05, you guys are going to get an email that's going to be in your inbox. It'll be when you get home from church today. Uh, as most of you are aware, beginning on May the 7th, we are going to two worship services. And so that will begin two weeks from the, today. Um, and we will have a worship service at 8.30 in the morning. We'll have another one at 11 o'clock in the morning. You can come to one or both. We would love to have you however you want to be there. Uh, but we believe at Malvern Hill that unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. And we believe it's unbelievably important that we bathe everything that we do in prayer, that we seek the Lord first. And so I'm asking y'all to join with me in prayer leading up to uh, the launch of that new service. And so the email that you're going to get in your inbox today is an invitation to prayer. And it's uh, what we're trying to do beginning next Sunday. So next Sunday all the way to May the 7th, we want to pray 24 hours a day for those days leading up. So I'm, I'm going to ask some of you to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and pray, okay? That's what we're doing. I've already signed up for 4 a.m. So uh, I, I was the first one to sign up. You're going to get an email that's going to give you an opportunity to sign up to take a time to pray. We're, we're going to ask you to just do it at home. We've got a prayer guide, a little short prayer guide that's attached to that. Um, listen, I'm excited for all that I get to do as your pastor, but unless the Holy Spirit of God moves among us and in our community, we are wasting our breath. We desperately need God to go ahead of us. So I invite you to do that, uh, to join. Look, if you're a guest with us, you're part of another church. Listen, you can go online and sign up. You can pray for us. We'd be thrilled to death uh, if you pray for us. But uh, there are, I, I did the math, I forgot now. I think there's about 160 opportunities. Let's call it 130. That sounds closer, right? Uh, for you to pray. There's a far more than that here today. So just please do that. There's no age limitation. So if you're 16 or 18, we'd love to have you praying too. Uh, if it's Youth Sunday. All right. Having said all of those things, I don't get to preach today. <sighs> which means I woke up angry. Um, uh, true story. Uh, but this morning, um, I am thrilled to death that Hunter McCaskill is going to come preach. Come on. Um, and uh, I'll say nice things about him before he, as he comes up here. I'm super, hush, I'm super proud of this kid. Uh, I am. I'm very proud of him. He's wrestling with, uh, with a call to ministry and uh, what exactly it is the Lord's leading him. A uh, long way to go like the rest of us have, but uh, a kid that is super eager to do um, all that he can. So this morning he's been working really hard. Y'all give him the same attention that you give me, please, uh, as he comes to preach God's word for us. I'm going to pray over you before I move, okay? Lord God, I just thank you for this young man. I thank you for all these kids who are represented. Father God, I pray that today would not be about him, it would be about you. 
that, Father God, more than anything else, Lord, we would see um, Jesus, Father, through his word as it is preached. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Again, like he said, I'm not Pastor Craig, so don't expect anything great. But anyway, I'm preaching from Acts 17, 10 through 15 this morning. So if you want to be turning there, and while you're turning, I'm going to repeat, kind of like Pastor Adam said to all the seniors this year, that you only fight alone if you choose to. And as we all go off to college, different places, that I'm um, still here, and we're all got each other's backs. So proud of y'all. And I, as you're turning, I'll give y'all another second. Acts chapter 10, or 17, verse 10 through 15. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also... They came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off his, on his way to sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Let's pray. Do I thank for today. Thank you for allowing us all to gather here in your house, Lord. Lord, I pray for this, Lord, that you speak through me, Lord, and hide me behind your cross. Lord, I ask that you just please... Um, Give everybody listening ears, Lord, and that you just speak through this. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, so my title this morning is Everything from the Word. And the big question this morning we get to wrestle with is, is God's Word everything to you? So my first point this morning is to preach the Word. For Paul and his missionary team, regardless of the circumstances, where they were or where they went, this, the Word came first. It was all they did wherever they went. They went to synagogues, and we see it all throughout the book of Acts. They go in and they preach the gospel message. Just like Pastor Craig preached last week, it's the same gospel message. There's nothing fancy you have to do. It's just the plain gospel. And the Jews would either kick them out or receive it. Sometimes they did both. Last week, we learned in Thessalonica that some believed and that led to, that some believed, and that led to an angry crowd running them out of the city. A lot of times, whenever God moves, we're immediately going to see an opposition, and we need to be prepared for that. And Paul and Silas see it here. And so that's how they get to Berea. And here, the people accept the scriptures. It says it in verse 14, 13, 12, sorry. And it says it in verse 12 that the Bereans were different. They received the word with all eagerness, examining it daily to see if these things were so. We need to, that is a very important verse. We need to remember that whenever we receive the word, to not let our eagerness blind us, but to also study it and make sure it's true in our own lives, or what it, it, that it is true Think about this for a second. When you consider how to share the gospel, one of the aspects of sharing is being obedient to Jesus' command to go and make disciples. It's not stopping. It's easy to do it once, one day, but consistency is what makes it so difficult. Really, this is so true, and patience, because patience and consistency are often our biggest competitors when it comes to sharing the gospel. We often forget how we felt when we started. We lose that fire after a few bad days. A few days, we feel like God is silent and he's not working. One of the great illustrations from Pastor Craig that I like to use, the weightlifting illustration, is many of us always want to start weightlifting or start this new thing, and we get fired up. We have this whole thing planned out. We, start, we get it ready, and then we start. 
we have this big fire in us for about a week or two. And in weightlifting, a lot of times you work out once. You go look in the mirror and you see nothing. Well, then a week goes by. You keep working out. You see nothing. But something in your mind tells you that if I do this consistently, eventually something's going to happen. So you keep going. And eventually it takes years. And then you look back and you say, wow. This is the same thing with Paul and the disciples and us in our own life. We consistently need to continue to share the gospel. Keep doing one step in front of the other as God has commanded us to. And as you see with Paul and them, it finally clicks. Synagogue after synagogue, message after message they preached. You have to stay consistent and not let one bad experience blind you from God's bigger plan. We have to stay consistent. Consistency is the key, but also the obedience in our consistency. The heart in it and how we do it. But it's not God's power and timing that say it. God's power and timing that saves. It's not what we do. We can only plant the seed. The acceptance of the message you preach is not your responsibility. It's just that you preach it. So we have to remember that whenever we share the gospel, it's not us that saves, it's God. The rest is out of our control. So don't let it hinder your future opportunities. Keep going, keep them in your prayers, and move on. Sometimes that's all, that's all you can do. Maybe you're not the last person that tells someone about Jesus, but you can be a link in the chain. One illustration we use in our youth group is to put another link in the chain. When you look at a different size boats, they all have different anchors. The length of the chain is always different. Sometimes they might be small, sometimes they're really long. Make sure, but when you share the gospel next time, to not think of it as, I hope this person gets saved, but that you get to be another link in the chain. Maybe you're the first link, first time they've heard the gospel. Maybe you're the 50th time, but we all in our own lives might have heard the gospel 100 times before we got saved. So remember that. You might not be the last person, but at least you're one step closer to getting them to um, Jesus. Be willing to be consistent. Do it daily and live it out in your life. We have to pick up our cross daily. It's a daily task. It's not something you can just pick and choose when to do. You give it all up to Jesus when you accept him, not just a little bit. Is the word what you are preaching every day? Are you preaching a message that is the gospel? Colossians 3, 17 says, 17 says to do everything in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we have to make sure that every message we preach is in the name of, preach is in the name of Jesus and nothing else. Not about us, just the gospel, because that's all that matters. Like Pastor Craig talked about last week with our testimony. Sometimes your testimony isn't needed, just the gospel. Your testimony is a great thing of what God did in your life, but the truth is sometimes people don't need to know what God did in your life. They need to know what God's going to do in their life next. It's not, that you're inf it's not you're influencing people or winning souls to the world with your message. You're preaching you're preach and you're, when you're preaching. That's not the gospel. The gospel is winning souls to Jesus and spreading his kingdom and making disciples as he gives us in Matthew. Which leads us to our second point. We have to examine the word. The Christian life is an, exam examine, is an examine life where you live by the truth of God's word. Everything you do as a Christian must be weighed against scripture. Even if it's, I, one of my examples was Pastor Craig. Pastor Craig's still human. He still messes up. So you can't always just take exactly what someone says and run with it. Sometimes you need to do your own studying. <laughs> but we see this with Paul. Paul did nothing different in his approach to the Berea people. In fact, it was his usual approach. He did the exact same thing we saw last week and the week before. He went to the synagogue and he preached. So what was different? The reception was different. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. 
God was working in the Bereans people as he's working in everyone that you're going to run to in the future. So remember that when you see someone next and you have the opportunity to remember that God's working in the opportunity and nothing you can do or say will mess up. You weren't good enough to get the gospel and you're not bad enough to lose it. And that goes for everybody. God is always with you and he's always working. God was working in the Berean people before Paul and his team ever stepped foot in that city. He was preparing the hearts of the Berean people to be eager, like we read in verse 11. Eager means ready or willing, to examine and determine the truth. They were ready to determine the truth, no matter how hard it hurt. The gospel is made to be offensive, and it's never going to feel good. So you have to be eager for that pain that's going to come with it, because it's often not going to feel good. It never will feel good. And you have to be eager to accept that and to figure out what you need to change. And then let God do what he does. Sinclair B. Ferguson once said, Appearances can be deceptive. The fact that we cannot see what God is doing does not mean that he is doing nothing. The Lord has his own timetable. It is we who must learn to adjust to it, not vice versa. When God's time comes, nothing will stand in his way. We can therefore wait for him in happy confidence. As for God, his way is perfect. This leads me to my third point. Be persecuted for the word. Paul didn't get in trouble because he was because Paul wouldn't have gotten in trouble if he wasn't preaching the gospel. Paul got in trouble because he was preaching the gospel, and he was living it out in his daily life. Paul was persecuted because of the word, because he was telling people about Jesus. What makes the gospel so offensive? I think we can all agree in our own lives that the gospel is offensive in many different ways to each of us. It's a declaration of authority. Many of us always have an authority issue. We don't want to submit to someone a higher being than us because we think we are the best. We think that we can do better and all, we have, everyone has to look to us. But really, we need to be humble and look to God because that's the only one who can save us. Paul didn't have to be an offensive person because his message was already offensive enough. It's the gospel, is the gospel why you are persecuted? Is the gospel why you get in trouble in your workplace or your classroom? Do people look at you and say he's different or she's different and this place is better because they are here? Or do they look at you and say, do, do, the, do they look at you and say, if that's a Christian, then I don't want anything to do with that? Is there a tension because you're living for Jesus, or is there a tension because you're not? Do the people you're talking to think about Jesus in your life and see Jesus in your life, or what, what do they see? Do they know you're a Christian? I really had to think about this when I wrote it. Because you could be claiming to be a Christian to your coworker or classmates. And like I said, they could be the reason they don't want anything to do. You could be the reason they don't want anything to do with Christianity. So next time you're in your, you have an opportunity, make sure that you're living out God in your daily life so when those opportunities come, there's no question about it. Pastor Craig once said, God's promises for you exist in his people. If the gospel is what's getting you in trouble, oftentimes there's going to be a lot of people behind you to help support you. If it's not, and you turn around and there's no one there, it should be a pretty good sign. That's what we see here in Berea. It seems it's a constant in Paul's ministry. It started out first in the city, in the first city he ever preached in, and it continues. God's people are always there for you so you can rest, recover, grow, and get in strength and in wisdom. Ecclesiastes 4.12, like Pastor Adam mentioned earlier, is a, said, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Make sure that you're not alone and that you find those people with you that are praying for you and supporting you in your ministry. One of the mottos in our youth ministry is from that verse, that you only ever fight alone if you choose to. 
And it's so true because if you're living out Christ in your daily life, there's going to be someone there to help you. There's going to be someone there to support you and hold you accountable. You might not like that, but it's true. That you only ever fight alone if you choose to. Paul and disciples were living out the word, word as they preached it. We know this because if people listen, they weren't listen, if they weren't living it out, why would anyone have a reason to listen? C.S. Lewis said, fond feelings, new insights, greater interest in religion mean nothing unless they make us all make our actual behavior better. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we make Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. Paul and his disciples were different because we see, for example, in Pastor Craig's sermon last week, that while they were in prison, they were singing hymns and praises to God. If they weren't doing that, when that jail went down from God because of God, that jailer might not have ever been saved. Because why would he have known to go to them? He wouldn't have. Because they would have looked the exact same as every other prisoner. Then this would have led to the jailer not being saved, nor his entire household. But since Paul and Silas were different, the opportunity came. Because they were obedient, the opportunity revealed itself and allowed for this. If you're not living out the word, you won't be persecuted. But you must live it out. It's going to be unpopular, but we have to be unpopular for Jesus. We have to be willing to look down upon because of Jesus. We often think that's easy, but it's often easy until it's not. It's cool to be unpopular when unpopular is cool. But the reality is living for Jesus is not considered cool and will get, not get you anywhere near popular. Jesus was eating with the least last lame and lost, washing feet, and that's not popular in today's world. Many times you will see those people alone, the least last lame lost alone, and you don't want to go over there because you're scared of your reputation. You're scared of what they will think. You're scared of what they will say after they see you because you're scared of the accountability that's going to come from that. You have to be willing to hinder your reputation for the spread of the gospel. This means you have to get in trouble for the gospel, for standing for it, but also spreading it. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for your hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That means you have to defend your faith, and there are times that it will lead to trouble, especially in this world we live in today. But in that instance, we are showing that commitment, and the others see that commitment, and see that often our commitment to Jesus, and that often leads to more questions. It leads to open doors and ways for Jesus to be, to lead other people to Jesus. So, it's very short, but as Pastor Craig comes up, I just want to ask again the question of the day. Is God's word everything to you? Do you live it out in your daily life? Is it what you think about? Is it what you do in your actions? And if not, why? Where do you, where is your, where do you mess up? Where do you need accountability? And how can you get fixed? I know there also may be some people here who aren't saved, who God isn't everything to you. And you're scared, and you've heard the gospel. You've had many chains added to your link. But you're scared of the sacrifice that has to come when you give your life to Jesus. Because you will have to lose everything for Jesus. But many, me and many people here will tell you that it's so worth it. The sac- there's no sacrifice too big for Jesus. So I beg you today to not leave here We're talking with someone. Give it off to Pastor Craig. So, 
We could, we could spend five minutes talking about Hunter, but that would completely take away from the whole purpose why we're gathered here today. I love that kid, and I'm thankful for what he did, but the reality is his question fits perfectly for a whole bunch of adults that listen to a 17-year-old kid this morning. Uh, because there's a lot of people, a lot of you that are gathered here today that would discount everything that was said, but you discounted the things that were said because the person that said it, rather than actually listen to the question that was asked, whether God's words everything to you. See, as, as we've been challenged by a young kid, and he is young, Right? As we've been challenged by a young kid who knows what it's like to mess up and knows what it's like to be successful and all those other things wrapped up into one and everything you can do at 17, 18 years old. Some of you would never dream of actually responding to an invitation because to do so would be to, 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 to come forward and to say, hey, here I am grown and this 17-year-old kid has spoken a word of conviction. Which brings us all the way back to the question he began with, is God's word everything to you? Are you willing to allow God's word to convict you regardless of where it comes from? If you're too sophisticated this morning to allow the Word of God to convict you because it came from that kid instead of from this old-looking man, then you've missed the whole point of what God's called us to. Because He's never called us to submit or surrender to a preacher or a pastor or a speaker. He's never called us to gather because we believe that somebody can speak well or they look like they, 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 they've earned the part. No, no, no. We, we live and we die on this book and this book alone. And so it's because we live and die on this book that we'll allow a 17-year-old kid to stand up here and preach because he doesn't speak on his authority. He doesn't come speaking on my authority. But to stand up on the authority of God's Word. And so this morning as we gather, rather than me preach another 20-minute sermon, which I want to do. <laughs> my challenge to you is this. Will you allow the Word of God to be the Word of God in your life? Would you surrender and submit to the word even when it is preached from a young man? See, it's not this man that you've been called to surrender to or any other man or woman on planet earth. But the Christ of the word, the living word himself, Jesus Christ, who came and died that we might live. Hunter said very well this morning as he asked the question, what was different about the Bereans? What was different? They were eager to respond. That was it. The same message that got preached over and over and over again. And the truth of the matter is, Hunter preached the same message I would have preached this morning. So what would be different about you today? Would you be willing to respond to the Word? Would you be eager to allow the Word of God to offend you and to shape you and to mold you and change you? I can assure you that it's enough. Jesus said, unless we become like children, we're not worthy to enter the kingdom of God. Well, this morning we've heard a young man preach. But the reality is that it's not his words, but God's word that matters. So I ask you this morning as we've gathered, would you respond to God's word? Would you today allow God's word to be everything? See, for some of you, it's not anything. And Jesus calls... For us to make him everything. He's enough. I get it. You're 50, you're 40, you're 35. It would be a little bit intimidating to step out after hearing a 17-year-old preach. But can I tell you this morning that you're not stepping forward and surrendering your life to a 17-year-old, but to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to Jesus Christ who died on the cross to save you from your sins. And today, if he's never been anything in your life, he can become everything. He can turn your world upside down and he can save you. As we stand and sing, would you come this morning? Pray with me. Father God in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying on the cross to save us from our sin.
We thank you, God, that you are enough. I pray, Lord God, that you'd be with us today as we've gathered together. I pray, Father, that you'd call people to your side. We trust you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.